Good morning. This is Michael Vandervoort. It is uh, February 3rd of 2023, and we're here to do another episode of Labor Relatedly with my co-host and uh, buddy, John Hyman. John, how are you doing today? Fantastic. I just finished up three days at the Ohio Craft Brewers Conference where I spoke. We were a sponsor um, and the beer was flowing. So uh, I am a huge fan of events where they just hand out beer just because... <laughs> <laughs> and 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 the and the plus is so last year so the trade they, they have an opening event Monday trade show Tuesday conference Tuesday Wednesday the trade shows where they pass out all the beer yeah and then so last year I spoke Tuesday afternoon at the conference so I had a morning at the trade show where I probably had a beer or two too many to be up in front of speaking in front of a group of people which is fine Today, this year, I spoke Wednesday, so there was actually no beer before I spoke, so it was probably a little bit of a smooth. That was probably a good thing. We've talked about doing a nighttime episode of this show and trying beers, but we've never done that yet. Cocktail hour, absolutely. We'll hold that for a future one. Um, I've been to, you know, I can't even count a myriad, as they say, of of Sherm events, and there's nothing that will attract a crowd at at a trade show faster than alcohol and HR people looking for free booze, so... (laughs) Yep. That definitely is a definitely is a crowd. It's uh, not it's not just for breakfast anymore. Right. And that that mysterious third voice uh, chiming in from the from the uh, middle of the frozen southwest, I guess, is uh, Phil Wilson. Phil, Phil wel- welcome to uh, drive through HR and labor relatedly. How are you today? I am well. Thank you. Awesome. So uh, we're going to talk about beer and we're going to talk about unions, which is our usual show so john since uh, like i said i'm working out of a starbucks today and i want to minimize the background noise for the listeners why don't you go for, ahead and for, for, for the, the, re- for the record you, for the record you said it's a probably non-union starbucks i just want to make that clear it, it, <laughs> I, it is a non-union starbucks or union free whichever way you want to mm-hmm. speak whichever lingo that, you I mean, want that, to use. that could be different later today but it could be different later right today right <laughs> exactly so the first topic is it involves beer and, and an independent union much like the starbucks workers union why don't you tee that topic up for us john yeah so story came across my feed uh, a couple of weeks ago involving a brewery in uh, uh in georgia called creature comforts which formed an independent union. They're calling themselves uh, the Brewers, uh, Brewer Union of Georgia, or BUG for short. Um, They uh, have filed a petition with the NLRB for for an election. They um, initially sought voluntary, they sought the employer's voluntary recognition of the union, which the brewery uh, refused to give. And they are now knee deep in unfair labor practice charges um, and uh, over some alleged quote unquote union busting. And we'll talk about what that means, I think, later on in the later on in the show. Um, there's some fights over who's a supervisor and who's not a supervisor. It has turned from what I think the employees had hoped was going to be an amicable, pro- an, an, an amicable and friendly and agreeable process based on the, I mean, really based on the their pre-existing relationship with management and management's stated values. They have a creature comforts is, I know of them, not from their beer, but because they at least hold themselves out in the industry. Um, 
as a leader of quote unquote doing the right thing. They are often pointed to as the standard bearer of what a what a craft brewery's code of conduct looks like. If you go to their website, they have a mission statement on their website where they talk about their values, which include things like being for the people, being inclusive, advocating for equity and extending respect, extending kindness, making your workplace and your community better, leaving a, you know, leaving a legacy that's consistent with your values. And they have this code of conduct that, that goes along with this mission statement. And so they are really kind of held out as one of the standard bearers in the industry of doing, doing the right thing by their people. And now their people are organizing and they're the Starbucks of craft beer. Yeah, apparently, you know, organizing and organizing now also um, contentiously organizing because the lawyers came in. Um, there are same lawyers that are representing Starbucks and Amazon and Apple. And there's now allegations made by the employees of, quote, union busting. And it, it turned from a very, um, a very, uh, what they, I think they had hoped was going to be a friendly process into one that is, and, and, into one that is anything but. The, uh, the couple of things of inch, you mentioned the supervisory issue there, there, I noted in the original announcement article, one of the people who held, gave out the announcement was the marketing manager with the, you know, literally the manager title. So there's, there's unit, uh, unit membership issues here, which I'll let you, let you and Phil discuss in a second. Second thing is they're located in Athens, Georgia, I believe, Correct. which is for in the in the state of Georgia outside of Atlanta. It's one of the more liberal places. So there is this this element we've seen of independent unions, uh, progressive employer, liberal workforce, that kind of thing. These are all in play very much like Starbucks Workers Union, REI, uh, Apple and many others that we've seen this over those last couple of years. So I think that would be an interesting thing for you guys to discuss. Why don't yeah, we start the, there? The, 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 the Georgia piece is interesting because you don't think of Georgia as being a hotbed of union activity, but, um, or being a particularly pro union or union friendly state. But here we are and bug the, Bre the Brewers Union of Georgia, their stated goal is not just, I mean, the Georgia's in the name of this independent union. Their goal is not just to organize creature comforts, but their goal is to organize every craft brewery in the state of Georgia. And so this is what they are hoping is not just improving their workplace, but improving the working conditions of every brewery employee statewide, which is a, a, an impressive goal, particularly in a in a state that you don't think of as being particularly union friendly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you, you, you see a lot of these unions coming through now, and I think you have a name for them. All I couldn't remember what it was, but besides independent union, maybe thinking of that wrong, incorrectly. Startup, but, uh, startup union is startup what unions. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah. So can you talk about the phenomenon a little bit? Yeah. And then I, I want to maybe put a pen in this, this supervisor manager, like, leading the charge i mean I, I had a call last night that was the case um it's happening a lot and this by the way goes to the sort of we'll, we'll kind of get into what like why why should people hear the other side of the story but like one side of the story is that's not a thing like managers a 211 supervisor a not protected by the act if they help organize a union then they've tainted the the organizing campaign, um, you know, but there's lots and lots of cases now where, where the management, someone in management is upset 
and is doing the organizing. Um, and this is, I mean, it's happening, it's happening a lot now. We hear it, you know, maybe not half the time, but like a, a significant amount of the time now, there is, even if they're not the ones that started it, they're involved in it. And very often they're the ones that start it. Um, and, and like this whole startup union phenomenon, I think is, uh, it, I mean, it's, it's new, you know, it's really, you know, the, the Starbucks thing is interesting because that was, that was technically really, I would say not a startup union. The SEIU is definitely like the, the, was at the epicenter of that. However, when they whiteboarded that whole campaign, it wasn't like 300 locations get unionized. And, and the reason why it did turn into the phenomenon that it was or is is because there was a lot of organic like organizing that was happening uh, and still is so uh that that is definitely that's a trend and i i fully expect john I, i'm curious if you agree but like i fully expect that to continue this year there's going to be a lot more of this type of activity yeah there's no doubt and mike and i've talked about this in the podcast before but you know i think when particularly when you look at these union campaigns that are being started, spearheaded, run by Gen Z, you know, by by Gen Z people, they're they're looking at. I mean, they organize around Black Lives Matter, and they organize around mm -hmm. LGBTQ rights, and they organize around other social justice issues, and they're looking at that and saying, "We're going to do that for work too." And from that perspective, they're like, "We know how to do this. We don't need uh, these big national unions to help us organize our workplace of 15 or 20 or 30 or 50 or whatever employees. We, we can, we know, we, we know, we know how to do this. We can do it on our own. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, I will say like, I'm kind of with them down, down this path to a point, which is that like, there's no question traditional unions and uh, like marrying yourself up with, the SEIU or, or, or the UFCW or like whatever traditional union, you know, and the brewers, you know, the breweries, you know, the, the BCT or the Teamsters even, um, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a really bad idea. So doing it on your own is a better idea than doing it through a traditional union. The, the problem is, is that the memo that they're reading, you know, is, is, is only explaining not even probably half the story and they look at it as a cause and, and look, they have, I, I mean, I've talked about this a lot, but like this generation and John, I mean, you, you know, you're raising one, I I'm raising one too. Um, th this generation has been like dealt a really crappy hand, right? Like they kind of grew up through the worst economic crisis since the depression. They then, you know, lived through a pandemic um, you know, we'll sort of see what the job market looks like uh, when they get out of college, but there's there, it's been awful, right? And so, I, like, I totally relate to the, like, you know, you guys have totally screwed this up. So the way you're doing it, you know, ne needs to be fixed, and we're gonna, and we're the generation that's gonna do something about it. Um, I don't even disagree with them, really. So, like that that's where all this starts uh so there there's a problem that they're trying to solve they just have picked a really terrible like solution to it um but there's really not much information out there about why that's such a bad idea because everything you read is like how amazing unions are um and 
And if that's kind of what your TikTok feed is telling you and what your friends are telling you, even though none of them have any experience, you know, then you're going to logically go like, hey, this is a good idea. And we don't need these, you know, old people to tell us how to do it. We'll just do it ourselves. But, but, but they're coming, but the, 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 I guess part of the problem with that DIY model is just to pick up on the, they're missing a piece of the puzzle is that from there is there is from from management's perspective management is going to go hire the professionals management's going to bring the the law the the persuaders in management's going to bring the law firms in mm -hmm. these employees don't these employees don't understand for example that organizing is step 1 getting to the election and winning the election is step 2 mm -hmm. actually sitting down at the table and negotiating a contract is step 3 and that's the most important step in the process because without that contract uh, the first two steps don't mean anything and that i think that piece of the equation at least in the independent unions because they don't have any experience here on the organizing front they don't uh, they don't have an understanding of what it's going to take to to get to that end game and negotiate that first contract and achieve the goals that they're trying to achieve mm -hmm. and it's different than organizing like a car manufacturer, you know, or a, uh, you know, someplace where, where you're going in with the idea that like, this is where I'm going to work the rest of my life. Now, craft brewer might, might, might be a little bit, a little bit more like that than, than at Starbucks, for example. Um, but you're, you know, you're dealing with a population that is, this is not the job that they're probably going to be in the rest of their life. It's probably not even a job they're going to be in next year. Um, you, there's not very many people. So you have turnover. Plus you really don't have like a lot of, a lot of people, um, you know, your, your, your leverage. Now your leverage at one craft brewer, you know, is going to be different than at a Starbucks where there's, you know, thousands of stores and shoot like they're, practically across the street from each other. And if one closes down, you just go across the street and get another one. So like the leverage position is different. Um, but none of that stuff is like, nobody even thinks about any of that stuff. And you can, you can, you can call, you know, people that talk about it, union busters or whatever other name you want to call us. Um, you should know all that before you decide this is a good idea. I mean, you know, it, the, negotiating a labor agreement takes a long time and People don't have to agree. Unions often don't agree with what management wants and management doesn't usually agree with what unions want. And it's a negotiation. Like that's, it's designed to be that way. It's slow, it's bureaucratic. Usually the contract ends up being that way. A bunch of stuff that Gen Z folks like hate. Um, and so it's, if you don't understand that that's how it works in the organizing stage, you're definitely going to be like having buyer's remorse in the, in the bargaining phase and um you know even and, and then even assume like the 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 you know the nlrb and uh you know fo folks that like love unions get their way and they pass like the pro act or something that like imposes bargaining agreements on people on companies after employees get this first step right because that's at the end of the day that's like what unions want because you know so so everyone that organizes a union gets a contract. Um, they're still going to hate it. Like, it's not a great work environment. It's not what they stand for. A lot of the reasons why they are organizing are things like, you know, equity and inclusion and 
and ESG and stuff that are not even subjects of bargaining. Um, so I yeah, just they're, they're anyway, buying I, they're, I, they're they're buying a massive bureaucratic process where whether they do it independently or do it through a big national right. legacy union, they're buying a bureaucracy, and that's and that's not that's really that's not what they want to buy, but it's what they're getting. Mm-hmm. So, um, so f- yeah. sorry, let me jump in here while it's background's a little quiet. So Phil talked about some of the macro reasons that people join a union. Um, John, what do you know? We didn't really talk about why the folks at Creature Comforts yeah. want to unionize. What do you know about the the micro issues, if you will, at the microbrewery? We mm-hmm. don't. We don't really know. I mean, they they've said that they're trying to they're trying to spread a more positive workplace culture and hold the company to their core values. That that's what they've said. Um, other than that, we don't really know. They've been super vague. I I, I can tell you that the um, the owners of the brewery became friends with one of the Russo brothers, the the direct the Marvel directors. Um, I, don't, I don't remember if it was Joe or Anthony, but one of the Russo brothers became a fan of the brewery filming one of the Avengers movies down in Georgia, and convinced them that they needed to expand to Los Angeles. And so they went and they made a a business arrangement with one of the Russo brothers to open up a Los Angeles branch of Creature Comforts. And that's been in the works now for about two years. And from what I'm hearing, um, that has uh, distracted ownership from the management of their core business in Athens. And my sense is, although I, I haven't I have no inside information other than kind of what I'm hearing through the grapevine is that that is at least that that management's distraction and not in out on the West Coast and not really having their eye on their core legacy business in Georgia is, I think, part of what's fueling this. And I mean, like that totally makes sense, right? That I mean, that's generally, I mean, this sort of is a segue to the second topic, but like, that's generally what starts all these things, right? You have, and 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 going back to where we started, there's absolutely nothing wrong with a group of employees going like, this company should live up to its core values. Absolutely. Right? I mean, there's, that, that is a hundred percent. If you're, if you, you got, if you're going to talk the talk, you got to walk the walk. Yeah. If you're not going to I mean, walk the walk, like, it's fair to be held accountable. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in my company, it is something that we talk about all the time. And that if you, if you, you know, we celebrate when people do, um, you know, do live the core values and, and we expect everyone should like bring up, if you, there is something that you feel like is not consistent with what we say we do, um, that we have to talk about it. Like it, it, it's, it's more mission critical than like any client thing or any, um, you know, any, anything else that we do, like the core values drive everything. And if we're living those, everything else will, will fall into place. And if we're not, then that's when stuff gets broken. And so that, I mean, any workforce, but especially like a younger workforce, that's idealistic, that, that wants the world to be a better place. They, 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 they took that job because they thought this is a place that cares about these things that I care about. Um, If they feel like that's not happening, then absolutely like object to it try to make it better um just my, you know i part ways with the solution right like how does collective bargaining help hold the company accountable help them live their core values uh and and generally speaking my experience and you can tell by the you know 
white beard. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's a fair amount that like unions do not help companies live out their core values. Um, they are often like a train wreck to core values. It changes a culture. It changes a business. Um, it's very, it's adversarial by its very design. Um, and, and that is not a way to create a good, healthy work culture. And, and even, even the Gallup research that, you know, the top line on the Gallup research is unions are as popular as they've ever been. But if you dig into that research, even people that are in unions, they don't like their jobs. They don't like the engagement is like at an almost all time low, but union represented folks are lower than the overall low engagement. Um, and, and then, and then, well, anyway, like it's, you know, it's not the solution that people think it is. So I think this is a nice segue um, into the topic that actually brought you on the show today, which was um, a, a post I wrote in response to a comment that someone dropped in one of my LinkedIn posts about creature comforts. Uh, and there you're going, and they're organizing. Someone wrote um, a company that opposes union organizing and presents both sides of this complex issue is quote union busting. That was the comment, mm. and I read that and my head like exploded <laughs> because in, because in my mind there is a there is a stark difference between what what I call union avoidance, or we may just call just being a good employer on the one hand, which mm -hmm. I view as 100% proactive. It's how you operate your business 24 seven, 365. It's how you manage your employees. It's what your culture, it's what your culture is. It's what your core values are and how that all lines up and how you manage your folks. Um, that is That is always going to be the best means to uh, avoid a union taking hold in the first place. And I would say that if a union comes in with cards and a petition, um, something in the workplace is broken. Something is causing those employees to go talk to a union in mm -hmm. the first place and for that union to come in and try and organize. And so you're not doing what you need to do to avoid the union proactively if the union show if, if the union showing up at your door with that with cards or cards and or petition as opposed to union busting, which is the reactive, like illegal stuff that goes on too often. Um, mm -hmm. Once, you know, once that petition is filed, the retaliation, the, the threats, the coercion, all the things that the NLR, that, that the NLRA says you can't do. And the NLRB is going to hold employers accountable for. Yeah. I mean, I agree totally with the formulation. I, um, you know, my, like, you know, my, I, so I think about this in terms of like left of boom, right of boom. And so, um, I know a guy who wrote a book called that, but anyway, uh, he's awesome by the way. Uh, so the, but that, that whole idea is right. You want to be proactive and you want to like, what are the, what are the things that lead to the boom event? So if you think about organizing activity, you know, that's the boom event in the life of a company. What are the thing, what are the dominoes that fall before you get to there? And then make sure that the, those are strong. And, and then, and those, that's, that's the best way to run a company. That's a culture that's going to be strong. Those are, those are employees are going to like work their tail off uh, and, and take great care of your customers. Like, like all the good things happen if you run your business that way. And oh, by the way, you also don't have to worry about organizing campaigns because people don't wake up in the morning, like looking in the mirror, brushing their teeth, going, the only thing missing from my life is I'm not paying union dues. <laughs> um, so you're, 
like that. So that's that's the right way. I talk. I, I and and then, my, like my my comment, I, you know, to to yours is that, that like that I like I really sort of I don't rail against, but like I yeah I don't call it union avoidance, right? It's not you're the if you're doing it to avoid a union, I feel like that's already a sign that things are you know that you culturally like things might be a little bit amiss, right? You're doing it because you want to create. I mean, the, the sign that's out front of my office right now is we help clients cre create extraordinary workplaces. Like that should be your goal. Be a great place to work. Let people yeah. have an awesome yep. day yeah. when they come to, to yeah. work. And then all the rest of the stuff sort of takes care of itself. And that's not a union avoidance tactic. That's just a be a great place to work tactic. Um, but you won't have to worry about unions if if that's something that you're concerned about. The phrase, the, the phrase I love and I, I think I came up with it. Maybe I found it somewhere and co-opted it. Who knows? But it's be an employer of choice for your employees, not an employer of opportunity for the unions. And I mm, think that's mm -hmm. you you want you want employees to choose to work for you because of how you treat them, because you show them respect, because you listen to them, because you pay them a fair wage, all mm -hmm. the reasons why someone is going to choose you to be your employer. And if all those things are working the way they're supposed to work, there's no reason for them to look to anyone outside to quote unquote fix anything for them because everything's everything is kind of moving down the tracks the way it's supposed to move down the tracks. Yeah. And when we uh, one last point Michael so so like, and and when we get invited to quote unquote union bust, right? When we come in and we help educate employees about like what are the realities of collective bargaining? How does this actually work? Um the the thing that I think is maybe often surprising to the so so we we think of so technically like those employees are not our client but in in my head and in the head of our consulting team our our client is not just management like our client is that group of employees we 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 ultimately care more about that group of employees making a good decision than we do sort of like helping management win a campaign at the end of the day they they we want them to have a great workplace and look there's some employers where if left to their own devices are not going to live up to that. And those employees probably should have a union. I, I was going to um, say employers, employers that get unionized often get the union they deserve. So yeah, that's true. True. Um, so, so we think about this both. So, you know, at the same time that we're talking to employees about, Hey, look, we understand like why you're doing this, but like the, you've picked a bad solution. We're at the same time, we're talking to management going, you guys have totally blew it, right? We would not be here if you were doing the right things to create a great workplace. So there is a lot of, you know, soul searching that happens on that side at the same time that you're trying to educate people about what this is going to mean to their day-to-day -day work life. Um, you know, that management group has to commit to doing all the right things. Um, and, it, and if they if they can't or won't, then they don't deserve to win an election. So, so the question I wanted to ask both of you related to this is, I, first of all, I agree 100% with all of us. Um, it, but there's a, there's, a, there's a little fork in the road in some ways. And, and so like, if you look at Starbucks, historically, they were known as a pretty good employer with great, you know, better than average benefits, better than average pay, yada, yada. And yet, all of a sudden they became the poster child for union organizing in 2022. 
some of the other brands that we've seen, Apple, Chipotle, and uh, REI, again, progressive, fairly well-regarded employer. Mm-hmm. So if they're, if they're that, which for the most part, I think they were, did they lose their way or is there another factor which goes maybe back, Phil, to what you brought up earlier about is there a Gen Z value shift and are employers failing to adjust to a new implied expectation or is there something else in play here? John, you want to, uh, maybe you hit this. I, I have my my take on it, but. No, I, 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 I think there is a culture shift and I think in, in, to some extent, some of these employers, I think, might be late in catching up to that. I think, I think the pandemic plays a lot into this. Mm-hmm. I think the pandemic um, and the expectations that were laid on "quote unquote" essential workers, uh, hospitality employees, um, you know, grocery employees, and the like, uh, the expectations that were laid upon them during the pandemic. A highlighted a lot of the union's typical talking points, like your work, you know, your employer doesn't respect your health and safety, which is often a talking point that we see unions come at employees with. Um, but I think it also caused employees to question the values of their of their employer. That is, you know, they're supposed to value me as a person, and yet I'm still being paid the same wage, but being asked to come in and put my health, you know, my health at risk and the and the health of my you know friends and family at risk people I come in contact at risk um you know do they really value the things they say they value and I think that has I think that's driving a lot of this mm-hmm. I I definitely think that's a component of it um you know you have you have a, a and look like you have a generation of kids and they're you know now they're they're young adults but you know early in and then even kind of late millennials you know, that are, um, they're, they're, they're wired very different around things like work, um, than the folks that are like running these businesses generally, uh, they are, um, so they, so they have, they have like a, they have a real different and I mean, not wrong attitude about like what role should work play in your life versus other things that they care about. I think you also layer on top of that, you know, like you mentioned it earlier, but but Black Lives Matter, um, you know, uh, um, the, there there there's a there's a lot of other things that are happening, sort of in the zeitgeist that that layer on to this, right? That like the way that the world has worked in the past isn't right, and it could be better, and they sort of see that as their as 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 their mantle to take up, which by the way. I think that they're right. Like the, the, like there, there is a lot of what, you know, and you, and you may not, you know, you may not like woke and you may not like, uh, you know, you, you, you can have your critique of sort of how far things get pushed and the pendulum always swings too far. Um, but the general point of what they're wanting to do, I think is really laudable. Like they're so, so that's happening. That, so that's that's kind of number one, and 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 so I do think that is probably out of step, even with people that have, you know, pretty progressive core values as an organization. Uh, you know, I, I don't know that everyone has kind of like gone that far. So that that's number one. And then to build on John's point, um, the pandemic. I mean, so take Starbucks for for example. They absolutely like transformed their business model. 
um, you know, it's it's kind of remarkable. They, you know, and and they they managed to like stay open. They managed to, um, you know, they 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 managed to serve you know a space, uh, you know, a place that was really designed to be this third space where people were going to hang out inside. Now suddenly became like a drive-through coffee place. Um, but that put massive, massive pressure on the operation at the same time that you have younger workers that are like, you know, A, they want, they need to work, but are also scared that they are going to die if they, like, this was, you know, just put, shift yourself back a couple of years. We were all in this boat of like, I don't know if I could go to a grocery store. I don't know if I, you know, what, like, what do I do to just, just take care of like basic, I, I can't find toilet paper, right? Like we were, we were in that world not that long ago. And then we were firing people out as soon as we could, depending on where you lived, we were firing people out to be face to face with, you know, people that could kill you. Um, and we didn't know like that. So that is going to affect the way you think about work. Um, so that's, and it's going to, it's going to affect the way you think about your employer and whether they're living up to their core values. So that's also, you know, a big layer on this, which, which brings me just back to their heart is totally in the right place. Um, they just don't have a lot of experience and they, and they really don't understand this, this one solution that they've latched onto. So I think that that takes us through topics one and two. And the last topic was, um, I, I think I'm going to change it up a little bit um, in, in that it was just like the independent unions, obviously a big trend that came out of 2022 and continued into 2023, or seems to be, as we've just discussed with the bug union and others that we've seen. Um, so the question was going to be what else is coming, but I had a different question that you guys kind of teased out while I was listening to you. And that is, if you go back even further in, in, in recent history, Phil, you go back to anonymous kind of appearing out of nowhere mm. and challenging the government. And then we had the Occupy movement and we had the Tea Party movement, right? And we've, we're probably seeing today, you know, in, in the MAGA, MAGA and other things, we're seeing sort of the next generation of the Tea Party or whatever, you know, and, and so Starbucks in particular, but this whole generation of people with a different set of values and a different way of reacting to their employer's uh, way of treating them, they're learning that they can organize in the workplace and they may not get contracts at Starbucks this go round, but those, all those folks are now trained organizers. So mm -hmm. my question is, is there a trend coming where we're gonna see a, another sort of a next wave of union organizing as these people start to mature into the business world? I hadn't really thought about that that much, but where do you see that going? I know I'm springing that one on you. But you want me to, I, I can swing at this first, John, if you want, and then- Go ahead. So uh, I, I think it really depends on sort of what, so here's the thing that's great about this moment is around like, around unions, especially for people that feel like that, that the way we do labor relations here in the US is broken, um, that now these folks are gonna all get some experience, right? So they've had experience organizing, you're right. They're also getting experience now with sort of the backside of that, with is, which is negotiating agreements, 
and trying to relate to their employer in this much more, um, you know, back and forth negotiated style. Uh, and I, I think you're going to see a fair amount of buyer's remorse and like a clear understanding now that like, this is a bad way to do it. Um, now, some of that will probably get turned toward, I mean, in a weird way, I kind of feel like unions, traditional unions like what's happening right now, because it does illustrate that the current process is not that great. And, and and one of their whole like goals, right, is to have like the PRO Act or, or policy be changed to essentially impose like collective bargaining or sectoral bargaining or like whatever, but like to, to, to make, to illustrate like that this is broken. And so this, but, and then their solution is we need to impose the stuff that they want on employers. Um, I think that's a horrible idea too, but anyway that but that like so there's that side of it but the other side of that is there's probably going to be a bunch of people that go like okay well that is stupid um but what we wanted is not stupid and so like let's figure out how do we do this ourselves internally that is more collaborative um and i think if that becomes you know a reaction and i think you're gonna have some people that'll react that way and 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 by the way also have employers that react that way you know I think Starbucks is probably a, a reasonably collaborative environment, you know, before all this, but I bet that they are like massively, I don't have any inside knowledge on this, but like, I, I bet that they are massively thinking about how do they become more collaborative with, with the folks that are not represented. Um, and that is a good thing for anybody that experiences this. I don't, John, what do you think? Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree with that. I'll just add that, you know, today's, rank and file frontline worker, union organizer, independent union uh, member is some of them are tomorrow's supervisors, mm -hmm. managers, and business owners. Mm -hmm. And their, their values won't change. Their values won't change, right? Mm -hmm. they, they will be, they will take everything that they're, everything that they're fighting for now, all the goals that they're striving to make their workplaces better. Um, for workers, when they're in a position at the other side of the table to do that proactively, there's no reason to think they won't. And so I think we can look at it from the question of, you know, will the will organizing down this road continue? Yes. Will these people have an opportunity to make to make an effect positive change, not from the union side, but from the management side of the table? five, 10 years from now, you know, as they age and mature and grow into management level positions, I think, I, I think absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good point. Um, one, one more trend, I think, just to wrap things up. And um, again, I'm impromptu here. So sorry for lack of prep time. We, we saw a lot of strikes, 2021, 2022, big strikes across a number of industries, manufacturing, we're still seeing them now. We know there's a potentially huge strike uh, at UPS looming, and the Teamsters seem to be driving the bus off the cliff headlong uh, towards that goal. Um, there's also a lot going on in healthcare and other areas. Um, where do you, and I guess, Phil, you can start out here. Where do you see the, the, the possibility of strikes going in 2023, and what do employers need to be thinking about? 
Uh, well, I think you, know, you certainly can expect you're going to have more of this activity. This is the this is on the rep this this is the same generational, you know, issues uh, on the on the represented side that employers on the non-represented side are experiencing. So a lot of these strikes, you know, John, I mean, you, I'm sure you 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 know bargain these, but like a, a lot of strikes right now are happening because you know, the, the leadership is recommending ratification, but they can't get it ratified. And, and, and basically you get to a point where, you know, the, the employees that are represented are like, you know, we want to walk. Um, and so tons of these strikes, Michael are, you know, so, the, so some of them are long. So, so there, there's some that I would just consider like traditional, um, the union and management are like at opposite ends and management has made the calculation that like this is as far as they're willing to go and they would rather withstand you know a strike and and try to work their way through that than to agree to the demands often outrageous demands um or certainly demands that they feel like they can't possibly stomach and have a a, a surviving business at the end of it so um so there's some of those strikes, but there's a lot of these where it's just like the union has to allow the group of employees to have their time on the street so that they feel like they did something so that they can then go back and ratify the same deal that was on the table before they went on strike. And I'm seeing a lot of that, um, but I don't expect that to be different um, like this year. I think you're going to see you know a lot more of that. UPS, yeah, I, I don't know. U, UPS is a different is a little bit of a different you know deal. I, I I don't know whether that'll be a massive strike. I think I I I hear I hear sort of both sides of it. I think I you know I do think that you know the Teamsters and the new leadership of the Teamsters they're definitely in the position where they kind of have to they definitely have to look like they're going on strike and they and and they they want they want their team to feel like they have done everything that they can. But I also think at the top for both sides, they really want to avoid a strike. Um, and, and so we'll see, like, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. And you, you could, you know, I, I could definitely see that be one of these, there's a strike for a few days and then, then they, they go back and agree to whatever, you know, maybe there's some small adjustment and then they, they agree to that. Oh, you just put yourself back on mute. Michael. I thought I was on mute. Um, yeah. All right. Well, everybody got to hear the Starbucks baristas. Fortunately, it was quiet. Um, yeah. I, so the last one was in like 1997, the last big UPS strike, and it lasted a couple of weeks. But they they settled with a with a number of things like two tier wage systems and stuff that a lot. And there have been a number of issues like that that people are trying to get rid of. Unions are trying to get rid of. Mm -hmm. So that's caused some of the contentiousness. So we'll see. I don't know. I don't know if there will be a strike at UPS either. I'm curious, um, John. What's like? What's your experience yeah. been here? Um, I in my personal practice, I have not seen. I, I have not experienced um, strikes in my particular in, in my practice recently. Mm -hmm. um, I just had a contract ratified that I thought was going to be more contentious than it was, and um, it got ratified pretty. Uh, pretty uh, 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 overwhelmingly and clearly. So, um, I, in my personal my personal experience, um, I have not seen that. 
Um, I am curious to see, I mean, I was, we had talked about this in an earlier episode, but with the, you know, with the railway workers, I'm always interested to see the types of issues that are motivating things here. So there Mm -hmm. was things like paid time off, which is not an issue that you typically think of as, as a big motivating factor, but there it was. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious to watch these as they develop and to see what issues employees are actually willing to walk off the job for and really, and really go to war over. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that will wrap us up. So I want to thank uh, I want to thank Phil Wilson, who I failed to give a, a, a sufficient introduction. So I'll, I'll introduce <laughs> him at, at the end. Phil is with the president and general counsel at the Labor Relations Institute, uh, my boss, and an all around great guy. And so an old, uh, yeah, and, an old for, nine, and an old ninety sevens fan, which makes which, him gives him instant credibility in my heart. So. Right. So John, before before I close you out, Phil had a question the other night, and he's wanting to know. I think it was about Nora's frog, but I wasn't sure I read the emoji picture right. Yeah. So, so my sixteen year old um, adopted a toad from the backyard that my wife found when she was outside doing the. Uh, uh, glamorous job of picking up dog poop in the backyard, she came across this toad, which we've had an unseasonably warm, today notwithstanding, an unseasonably warm winter here in Northeast Ohio. And she came across this toad that I think got, because of the 50 degree weather, came out of hibernation early. And so we brought it in the house. She brought it in the house. I am of the opinion that I don't, I don't live in a zoo and two dogs is enough. <laughs> And I didn't really want any more animals. I got I got outvoted on that by mm. the women in my house. So um, Toad became a resident in our home for something like thirty six hours before Toad went uh, figuratively belly up. So but bye bye. Yeah, the Toad unfortunately, uh, the Toad unfortunately did not make it. And Nora so you was, so you were right. It was, it I was. was I said leave sleeping. leave the damn thing outside and let nature take its course. <laughs> and I was, and no, something will eat it. You know, we have, we have red tail hawks that circle. Oh yeah. You know, right. Circle our they area. They were probably pissed when it was removed. Probably, probably. <laughs> so the toad, unfortunately for them, didn't make it. I could really care less. I mean, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just yeah. one more, just wow. one more thing living in my house that I will, I would have. On top of being a union buster, you are a toad killer as uh, well. Yes. Yeah. Union. Yeah. I think wow. of myself like one of the, I think of myself like one of the cars in the old Frogger game going across the. <laughs> you're, hey, you're still on mute, Michael. I can't do this job this way. <laughs> it was hashtag free the frogs, free the toads. Free the, free so, the frogs. Anyway, yeah. Well, I'm sorry to hear about the 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 demise of Senior Toad or whatever it was, but uh, I'm freckles, glad that freckles, senior freckles, 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 freckles. He was there freckles. long enough to get a name. Fre- yeah. Freckles, freckles got a name, but not that many breaths. <laughs> yeah, unfortunate. Well, we sh- we sh- we well, won't send laugh. my condolences to Nora. Yeah, I'm I'll pass. I'll pass that along that. for sure. <laughs> thanks you guys thanks john for doing another episode thanks for joining us phil it was a great conversation i'm going to go ahead and uh, end the uh end the show so we'll uh we'll have this episode up uh, sometime uh today later this afternoon or whatever and i'll send the links out but otherwise i hope you guys have a great i guess it's friday have a great weekend yeah right on cheers everyone thanks see you guys